and welcome to Navigating Nursing. I am your host, Laura Whitehead, a registered adult nurse, a critical care nurse, qualified lecturer and fellow of the Higher Education Academy. And I'm joined today by Dr Joan Myers OBE. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for inviting me. So we're going to take you right back to the beginning today. Um, it's the leadership series, but I want to start right back at the beginning of your journey. Did you always know that you wanted to be a nurse? Yes. At the age of three, my mother oh, wow. gave me a nurse's uniform as a Christmas present. And from that day, I decided I was going to be a nurse. And I used to carry little tins with um, plasters in it and bring it to, oh. to um, school and stick it in all my friends. <laughs> so you started young. You I started knew. very young. And I loved all those programmes like Angels, Doctors, Holby City, Casualty. I used to watch them all the time. Yeah. And they what led you into it. And you did your training, your general nurse training in Lewisham. That's did right. you um, pick London particularly or was it just that you were from London for your training? I'm from London. I'm, I'm born and lived in London and Lewisham was the first place that offered me a place to do my general training. So I went there. Mm, really lovely. Um, and you're currently an um, independent consultant. Did you know throughout your career, was that something that you were always interested in or was it something that kind of at this point, you realised it's it's what you want to be doing? No, I think because I've worked my way all the way up the career ladder, right up to being a chief nurse and associate director for health services. I just, I've always been encouraging, motivating, mentoring, coaching people. And people look at me as a role model and a mentor. And I've been doing it in a sort of um, informal kind of way and had really good results. And I thought, well, at this juncture, at this point, maybe I need to just take it on full time because there's so much stuff coming in. Mm. and it's also to make it formal rather than you yes. doing it on top of what you were already doing in the first That's place right. yes and do you mind just explaining to everyone listening they might not have heard about an independent consultant before about what your job role is and what you do right my job role <clears throat> I set up a, my organization called Joe Myers um, Consultancy Limited because Joe Myers is who I am and I offer coaching and mentoring sessions to especially for those that are preparing for interviews so interview preps including um, support with writing a supporting statement right through to shortlisting and um, preparing for their interview questions. Because most people just need to be built up and encouraged and to draw out of them what they've got in them. Sometimes they don't realise they've got that in them. And a majority of my coaching is actually building up people's self-confidence in believing in themselves and their self-esteem and sort of drawing it out of them. Also, I've been commissioned by several NHS organisations to do... Um, leadership and talent programs for black and minority ethnic staff to enable them to get up the career ladder because as you know there's not many of them in senior positions so I've worked with several um, NHS trusts doing that and then people call me to speak for International Nurses Day, International Women's Day, um, Black History Month so I do inspirational motivational keynote talks at different events as well. And podcasts. I love talking. So welcome. And, yourself, <laughs> and as you can see I love talking and which is the funny thing is, at school, I was always told off for talking too much. So for me, it's like a, it's really funny that now I'm getting paid to talk. You always want to write back on that school report and go, yeah. see, there wasn't a problem with that. That's right. You just didn't recognise it at the time. And so you're, you know, a mentor and inspiration in lots of different settings now. Were there people throughout your career that you think have really shaped you to be the nurse and the leader that you are now? Yes, first of all, my mother, because my mother was a nurse as well. And I remember when she, she said, when you go on the ward, before you look into the patient's notes, look at the patient, look at them in their bed space, 
and see all the things around them and see whether you can actually come up with a diagnosis and know what treatment they need just by looking at them. And that was like a big thing. So I'd look at a patient, I think, oh, he's got oxygen tank, he's got suction machine, got a sputum pot. I don't think they do sputum pots these days. Look at the observation chart, see whether they've got temperature, see whether they're sitting up or lying down flat. Is it helping their breathing? Just looking and observing the patient. And that, that was one of the first things she taught me when I did my training. I wasn't really taught like that in training school. It's all about reading the books and doing what they, the book tell you to do. But it's about looking at the patient and truly engaging with the patient. Yeah. And I think sometimes now we've seen in a lot of cases, haven't we, where everyone gets so stuck on numbers or so stuck on what's mm. written or what's documented that we're almost forgetting. Yeah. Look at the person in the bed. Mm. What, what information are you gaining from that rather mm. than just the monitor or the drain or the numbers? Yeah. And then also listening to the patient. I, I remember on the ward they used to say, oh, Mr. So-and-so in bed free, such a difficult patient. Who wants to look after him today? And in the handover, it will go silent. Nobody will look after that patient. And then I'll put my hand up because I don't mind looking after that one because I realised, especially when I did paediatrics as well, is the parent that was they so-called difficult or challenging was because they were asking questions. They were concerned, they were stressed, they were worried about their child and they just wanted answers. And so... Obviously, if the nurses didn't have the answers, then they have to keep referring back to the doctors. Whereas I'll just listen to what the mother has to say, and then I'll try and find the answer to whatever they're asking for. So they weren't challenging or difficult. They were just asking questions that we need to answer. And actually, as nurses, if any of us were unwell or it was any of our family members, we'd be deemed the most difficult in yes. speech marks, wouldn't we? Because we'd be asking all of the questions. Definitely. And that happens when my mum goes to hospital. Oh my God. I, don't, I don't tell them that I'm nurse. After I start answering them a few questions, they go, are you a nurse? And I goes, does it really matter? Yeah. <laughs> have you done observations yet? Why haven't you done this? You need to do that. <laughs> so I have to calm myself down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, my grandma was here a few years ago. And I remember this F1, I think he looked at me and was like, oh, no. You know, that look of dread. <laughs> yes. And my mum was like, now be nice. Be nice, Laura. I was like, I am being yeah. nice. It's That's... just a few questions. Yeah, my mum says that to me too. Joan, just, it's all right, Joan. You don't... I said, no, no, they need to answer these questions. <laughs> I've got my list. <laughs> so apologies to any people looking after anyone that <laughs> anyone that's ours. Um, so yeah, so lots of people might have had a relative that worked in healthcare that might put them off or, or kind of draw that to them. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like your mum has been really inspirational and has taught you a lot throughout. <laughs> did you always know that you wanted to do paediatrics? Yes, I did. I knew I wanted to be a nurse. And then I worked as a um, nursery nurse before I started my nurse training and I, I just love children anyway I decided I wanted to be a paediatric nurse but I didn't know there was a paediatric course that you could just do straight away it wasn't until I did my general which was a bit of everything that I realized that you can actually do a specific paediatric course yeah and I did apply to Great Ormond Street the hospital for sick children but they didn't take me on because in the application form they asked you questions that I don't know the answers they asked me who what my father's occupation and stuff and my dad died when I was quite young I didn't know what his occupation was and I didn't know how to answer the questions so <laughs> that were the kind of questions they used to ask in those days yeah. <laughs> they don't know they're the lost yeah I was gonna say I'm not sure my gardener dad has got anything to do with my um, my right. nursing ability <laughs> then even my mum when she tried to do her training she applied about three or four times and it was because she had five children and they wouldn't take her on and then somebody just said just tell them you got free and she did and she got into do nursing so they actually force you to lie. You know, that's what that's what happened in those days. That's what happened. And she was a brilliant nurse. 
And actually, she advised me not even to do nursing because of the way they treated her. Can you imagine the 1970s, late mm-hmm. 60s, 70s, how they were treated. But I always wanted to be a nurse. And all the things that she, she told me was going to, in the system, I'm seeing it now. And it's the stuff yeah. that's getting me really mad, but I'm trying to be calm. And yeah. <laughs> well, no, and, and, and how that hasn't, unfortunately, you know, that change over time, mm-hmm. there's still those issues from what she had said. Mm-hmm. This is exactly um, the same. Same. And you've done a lot of further study. So you've done your first degree, your master's, your postgrad diploma. Did you always did you always enjoy academic study or further study, or was it just something that you'd kind of fallen into throughout your career? Um, it was just something that I felt I needed to do because I felt I needed to have evidence for everything that I did. When I worked in, I did my paediatric course at Guys and Thomas, and I saw my first ever black nursing officer, they called him in those days or they call them directors of nursing now. And she asked me, where do you see yourself in three years time? What are you going to do next? And all I thought, well, I'm going to be a nurse. And when she said, where do you see yourself in three years time? I said, oh, well, maybe a sister on the board. I just thought I was just going to be a nurse, going to be a nurse, going to be a nurse. I didn't think of going up the ladder or anything. I was just going to do what I enjoyed doing. But she always encouraged me and other staff to do training. And then when there was a major change in the NHS, she got demoted because she didn't have any paper qualification to prove the level that she was at, although she was at such a senior level. So I, when, when I saw that happen to her, she went from being a, a nursing officer to being a, um, like a band six um, outpatient sister in another hospital completely. And I thought, that's not going to happen to me. So mm. every single course that was available. So even when I did my general and then um, I was mentoring um, graduate entry nurses and I said to the, the sister on the ward, so if I'm mentoring them and I haven't even got a degree, then it doesn't make sense because then they're going to qualify and be over me because they've got this qualification. So I said, if you want me to mentor them, then you're going to have to pay for me to do my um, degree as well. And she didn't want to, but then they did in the end because it made sense. So that's Good how negotiation. I, my, yes, <laughs> as I was able to do my degree. And they're talking about negotiation. I did this leadership program and my, there was one module my, my manager said I didn't need to do. And it was the one about being assertive. <laughs> you don't need no assertiveness training, Joe. And I goes, I do. It's part of the module. It's like leading teams, leading people, managing self, assertiveness training. She said, no, you don't need to do that. I said, but I do. It's part of the program. And she wouldn't sign for me to do it. Really? But, but when she went on a day off, I went to her line manager and asked her manager to sign it off for me, and she did. Well done. <laughs> that was me being assertive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't take no for an answer. <laughs> That's right. I, ne- I never take no for an answer. When they say no, I just think, what can I do instead? How can I get round it or through it or over it? And I said, if there's a brick wall in front of you, you could always go all over it, around it, under it, bulldoze it down, or even better, just build a door and walk through it. There's always a way through. Mm. That's the way I look at it anyway. Yeah, and also you don't want your develop your development. You don't want your further study to mm. be limited by someone saying, "Yeah, no, you shouldn't be doing that," or "No, you mm. don't need to do that," because that's mm. their own opinion, isn't it? It's that's not. Right. It's not fact. Mm. And it's not right. And I think that's, that's happened to quite a lot of people that I've spoken to. Their managers have told them, "No, you can't do this course. It's not. It's not necessary for the role that you're in." And I would say, go back to them and say, "It's not for the role that you're in. It's part of your professional and personal development for where you're going, not for where you are." And I've had somebody tell me that their manager says, no, you can't do that degree because I haven't got a degree and I don't need a degree and you don't need one too. And I said, well, that's just her opinion, her views about yeah. herself, but you need one. So you need to, you need to do what you need to do. 
Yeah. So people shouldn't try to put on other people what they don't want or what they do want and allow people to, to grow and develop on their own. Yeah. Mm. I think it's all particularly it can be quite difficult yeah if you've got one person or one manager or one mm. particular opinion or development practice development nurse and by mm. getting told there was no funding for training and because I'd, I'd done that particular course there was nothing else I could do and mm. actually similar thing I waited for them to go on holiday and there was funding there was loads left over mm. that hadn't been used for that year yeah. and that's how then I got the next module funded but if I hadn't randomly just spoken to this person in a lift that had said mm. oh yes there's you know you just speak to this person um you, the I, I wouldn't because it's that sometimes the line manager is the gatekeeper and you need to get past the gatekeeper and that's another thing I'll say when especially when the manager is preventing holding back people and stopping them from going further I always say send them an email and copy their line manager in mm. confirm what they said in the one-to-one or your appraisal meeting where they said you couldn't go for that training or there was no capacity no resources or whatever so just like you said there always there is money and resources somewhere else I mean one thing I did was I was paying for my own course because I knew that my manager wouldn't want to pay for me to do the course I just asked her for the time off and then she said well we, we I don't think this course that you're doing has got nothing to do with nursing it was it was a tropical diseases course so we don't oh that's supposed to be really interesting I've had it was the most amazing course I've ever done it was a brilliant um she said I could she said that she's not allowing me to go on it because it's not we don't have tropical diseases I said we're in the middle of London of course we do we've got HIV and AIDS we've got malaria we've got all kinds of hepatitis C they're mm. called classes tropical diseases it's all everything's here now and then I said I, I'm just asking for the time off and she said, look in the, um, the study leave policy. So that's what I always say to nurses, go and find a policy for the thing that you want to do. So I looked in the study leave policy and it said, if you're doing a course that is not part of your remit or role in your current job, you can, at your manager's discretion, they can actually give you the time off. So I just sent her an email. I cut and paste that bit straight from the policy saying, it's at my manager's discretion that I can have the time off. So I basically said, Thank you for giving me the time off to do this course. I need one day a week on the Thursday. You don't need to worry about it. I'm paying for it myself. I'll be off starting from next week, Thursday. <laughs> Thank you very I much. wrote the email like that. So I didn't answer. I just told her in a nice kind of way <laughs> that she was going to let me have the time off. Here you go. And then she had the epiphany herself. How clever. <laughs> And we say, I say to my students on the on undergrad and postgrad, you know, we use the policy, isn't it? Use the guidance, whether that's nice, Department of Health, World Health Organisation, use that to support your argument. And it applies exactly to this, doesn't it? That's it. Evidence-based practice. Evidence-based practice. I've got empirical, (laughs) empirical evidence for all the things that I need to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we all need to. Um, so have you got any advice for anyone that, that wants to study? So aside from, you know, manager support and kind of, you know, making sure that things are in writing, I think that's really important, isn't it? Because I think, as you said, when a line manager's copied in, when it's in an email rather than a verbal conversation in a one-to-one or something, that can change um, people's views and opinions and support. But have you got any other advice for anyone wishing to study? I think have a personal development plan. So have a like a short term, medium term and long term plan. Sometimes we have these ideas and all they are are ideas until you've written them down. When you've written them down, they become more concrete. So, for example, if you know that you want to do your degree or your master's, what do you want to do it in? What topic do you want to study in? Is it in line with where you're going, what you're doing? Or is it something random? I mean, sometimes people just just want to do a degree because they want to do a degree. But do you need to do a degree for the course that you're for the, the work that you're doing? Do you need to do a degree for that course, or is it a postgraduate diploma, or is it a mm. what do you need to do? A, 
what do you need to do and get the prospectus to so break it down because sometimes you think oh my gosh I have to do my degree and it's three years training and, and they'll think of all the negative stuff but if you slow it all the way down and bring it all the way back and do sort of like a process mapping thing I want to do my degree so what do I need to do next I need to go and get the perspectives find out what university you want to study at get the perspectives for the university look through it with your mentor or your coach or your friend or your colleague and find the topics that are relevant to what you want to do and then you as you do it slow like that and then you decide when you want to do it and then you find out how much it costs and then who you need to speak to regarding the cost whether you're going to pay for it yourself fund, self-fund it get support from somebody else and there's usually charities and grant funds or your organization and then also do you need to do it externally some quite a few um hospitals are aligned to universities so they work together don't they they've got yeah, contacts nice. together so if you choose a university that's actually working in partnership with your organization you may not even need to pay I don't know mm-hmm. it might change now has, has it changed but yeah no a lot a lot are now kind of are in-house and they'll yeah. get a certain amount of funded placements per year there you are so you've got um... funded placements so you don't have to worry about the funding because you're in the organization and then all you need to do is prove to your manager that the role the job you the course you want to do is beneficial for the service and the organization and you as well and that should be quite straight straightforward when you know what you want to do and why you want to do it not just for the sake of doing it or for the sake of having a couple of letters after your name and then don't think because you've got those letters after your name that you're going to suddenly get promoted because just because you do a degree or a master's or a PhD it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get promoted you might do like I did my master's because I needed it to be a nurse consultant to be at that level you have to do your master's but then there's some things we want to do that's just something that we want to do for our own um, personal professional development yeah and it might even be that um, I had it when I was looking at different roles that you didn't have to have the full master's or the full degree. It was the one module at level six in critical care or A&E or advanced respiratory. And actually, rather than doing, you know, or if you were self-funding, maybe the whole of that yeah. program, actually doing that one or two modules or the diploma or the certificate might be the way into the role. That's and right. you can then do that further study. Fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Really clear. Um, so you've obviously been involved in a lot of leadership positions throughout your career what advice for anyone have you got in a leadership position I'd say that we're all leaders so from the day I qualified I got my results I was on late shift the night before I was on a late shift the next day I got my results I came to work I said to the sister on the ward I passed the pass I'm now a qualified nurse I'm a registered general nurse and she goes okay you're in charge and that was it <gasps> that day I was just put in charge but in those days, we were trained in such a way we had a management module for the third year and we had lots of opportunity to be in charge. So we, I was just thrown in the deep end. We didn't have preceptorships and stuff like that. We just got on with it and we just learned as we went along. So I was always put in a position of leadership. So it was just straightforward. But there's um, a, a guy called John Maxwell, John C. Maxwell, that talks about the 360 degree leader. And he says that we are all leaders because we have to lead ourselves. We have to get up in the morning and decide to eat our breakfast and go to work and all the rest of it. We lead our subordinates, those that are under us, tell them what to do, how to do it. We lead our colleagues like we're in a meeting and we say, it's lunchtime now, let's go to lunch or let's get back from lunch on time. And then we, the, the most important, so we lead down, sideways, inwards, but leading up is the most important. 
And I think I've been very good at doing that. So leading up is leading your manager, how to get your manager to do the things that you want them to do. So my last three or four managers have always said, I've heard them say it themselves out of their mouths, that they've never really managed me because I've just managed <laughs> them or got them to do what I wanted them to do. To so the party line. <laughs> yeah, that's the way you do it. So it's finding out what they want, because I think there's another thing in organisations, we don't realise we're in our jobs to support our manager in their role. So if we support them, well, then we're able to help them and help ourselves as well. But sometimes there's a bit of a friction and a bit of a battle going on because I could do like what my manager does. I could do her job better than her. But maybe you can, but you're not in the role and you won't get the opportunity and we won't know. So just get on with the manager that you're working with. And if you think you could do your job, her job better than her, then support her in doing her role. Because obviously you know something that she doesn't know. So I always look at it like, like that. So with my manager... As long as I can get them to come alongside and agree with me, which I usually do somehow. I Being remember that assertiveness became, module. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. When I became a nurse consultant and they and my manager was talking to me and I said to her, do I have to write all the policies? She goes, no. I goes, you sure? She goes, no, why are you answering that question? I goes, I just want to know that as a nurse consultant, I don't have to write the policies. She goes, no, Joan, I don't know where you got that idea from. You don't need to write the policies. I said, that's great because there's five policies that need to be written. These are the five policies. You don't need to be worried about it. These are the five people that I think should write those policies. And what I suggest you do is if you could email them, but don't mention my name, email them and tell them that they need to write these policies and then ask them to send it to me afterwards. And I will put the um, evidence base in it, the research and everything in it to sort of validate what they're um, saying. And she said, okay, and it works. So I didn't have to write the policies. These other people did it. I didn't tell them, she told them, they did it. And I just did the nice icing at the cake, on the cake bit at the end. Yeah. That is some very good, because I'm really bad at coming up with ideas and then giving that to myself to do and you know you always watch yourself in meetings going yeah yeah that's fine I'll mm. write the five policies yeah you need them by Monday yeah 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 okay that's no problem and then I come away and I think Laura why were you talking stop yeah. talking just so that I'm gonna I'm gonna write that one down because it always if there's a problem do not go to your manager with just the problem because they've got their own problems that their managers have given them and the things that they're trying to solve so come up with free solutions to the problem that we've got and I think of something simple like, like the policy. Either you write it, she writes it, or somebody else writes it. So think of all, but always make sure that you're part of the solution as well. So you come up with three solutions, and one of the solutions where you're part of that solution, just make sure that you want to do what it is that you might suggest that you do. <laughs> so you might say, well, I'll write the five policies, and you leave all but I don't want to write the five policies, yeah. I don't know how to write it. So don't do it like that. Make sure that you write, have three solutions, and put yourself in as one of the part of the solution so they can see that you're not sort of passing the buck, but you're actually saying, I want to support and help as well. Yeah. Mm. And they're like being involved in that. Yeah, being involved. And they're usually quite happy with that because half the time they don't know what the solution is. So they're looking for solutions. Yeah. You're right. And also we've got no idea what anyone else's workload is, have we? Mm. Like we might be going, oh, they're sat in that office. She's drinking tea. He's not doing anything. And actually we've got no idea what, Mm you know people's job lists are yeah Mm -hmm. so actually you're right giving the giving the solutions um fantastic idea fantastic advice um so have you got any further advice for any I've got a lot of student listeners um that are studying at the moment in in all fields have you got any advice for them at the moment um for students I would always say find a mentor 
or a coach. Doesn't matter how young you are in your training or studying or whatever. At the moment, I'm um, a coach for the Shuri Network, Digital Network group. And I had one nurse who came and she's a band five. She goes, I really want you to be my coach. But the band A says that she wants you to be her coach. So I'll let you be a coach because you might be better with more senior nurses. I goes, no, no, no. I like band fives. I like student nurses. I like the more junior they are, the more wonderful they are because they're more pliable. They're more willing and support, willing to help and willing to listen and willing to learn. Whereas the more senior you are, it's a different type of relationship that you have with them. So find fixed on you in your yeah. like idea or your education mm. or your training of like what what needs to happen and what you need to do and then you can't sort of suggest anything you just sort of let them come to their own conclusion but the, the, the younger ones they will they're open to change and improvement and they will listen and they will learn as well and I just love it when they like one of the um one of the people I was coaching she wanted to write an article she's always wanted to write an article because I was just straightforward just do this 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 and that send it to me and I'll just send it to the editor and see what happens she could not believe it when she saw her name in light, so to speak, in the journal. She is over the moon. She was. She just couldn't believe it. She woke up the next day, looked in the magazine again to see oh, whether it was really true. I said, yeah. now this is starting your journey in writing articles. You can do it. And even with students, I would say your their, their assignments, some of the assignments are really, really good. And I remember my, my um, tutor saying, one of my assignments, I got. 70% or that was a miracle. I normally got really low marks, but that one I got 70% for. And she said, with a little tweaking, this will make a good article. And I found it two years later and it was my first published article that I got paid for. <laughs> I mean, as an assignment that I did. So the students don't underestimate the amount of knowledge and skill that they have. And when they get their grades, especially if they get anything over 70, that can actually go towards writing an article. I only had to make minor changes rather than in this assignment, I just put in this article and then continue from there. But to find a mentor or coach and don't suffer in silence. If you're finding things challenging or difficult, find somebody to help you and support you. And it could be just peer support. So when I did my master's, I found another person that was doing their master's with me and she was good at statistics and stuff. Even up to this day, I don't know about anything to do with numbers. It just goes over my head. I just don't know what they're talking about. But she was fantastic at statistics. But I was fantastic at the writing bit. So I was helping, and English was a second language. So I was able to proofread her stuff and she was helping help me to help me with all the statistical stuff to find somebody that could support you. And then we have people around us that are strong in our, the area of our weaknesses. So we don't have to be strong in all areas. Just know where your strengths are and do, work to your strengths and then find the people that are strong in your area of weakness. So like, I don't like, like writing policies, so find somebody that likes writing policies. That's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think we've got a view in nursing almost that we have to be good at everything. We mm. have to be able to do everything in order to write the article or publish mm. or write the policy. But you're right, mm. teaming up with someone, having that teamwork of playing to your strengths yeah. and your weaknesses. And then not being afraid to speak up if you're not sure or you don't know or you're scared. or Because I know there's lots of mental health issues going on now with all the challenges that everybody's going through, to not being afraid to speak up and say, I don't feel good about this, or I don't like the way I'm being treated. As you know, in the NHS and in education and everywhere in the whole world, so to speak, there's there's a lot of the rising harassment and bullying, especially mm -hmm. from a racial point of view. And somebody needs to, that those sort of people really need a lot of support and a lot of help. So don't be afraid to speak to somebody. And then sometimes you get sidelined to so one person bullying you and harassing you. And you think because they're above you, 
or they might be your tutor or your personal tutor or your the manager on the ward or whoever on the ward, you don't want to say anything because you don't want, you don't want it to impact on your training but it will impact on your training because it's going to impact on your mind and your thinking and your thought process yeah and how you're progressing and how you are in your health find somebody find somebody to talk to in a confidential way that can actually support you and I remember when I mean as 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 high as position that I I was in before I left the NHS I was arrested and bullied believe it or not how could anybody dare to arrest and bully me they obviously didn't know who I was anyway I was being arrested and bullied but even I didn't realize I was being arrested and bullied it wasn't until I was having clinical supervision and I was sharing what this person was saying to me and then the supervisor called me afterwards and said that's harassment and bullying this is this and then and I said well I'm not going to go down that route I'm not interested in that I just want to do I just want to do my work this help me to do my work but she supported me and she told me how to deal with that person what to say with them and one of the things she taught was have you heard of Debono six hats I haven't Debono's there's different hats there's like six different hats so if you wear the white hat it's all about factual stuff and information and if you wear the red hat it's all about emotion and how you feel and if you wear the green hat I think it's about creativity and if you wear the black hat or the grey hat it's about the facts and being cautious and the risk and she went through all of this, just check it out afterwards, the bonus, yeah, and it explains, and it helps you to look at things from different angles and see things from different perspectives. Because sometimes we're sometimes the problem and we're projecting it onto somebody else. Or sometimes the way we respond or react causes the other person to behave a particular way. Yeah. So when you change, so that's what I did with this person that was bullying me, in the end, rather than just saying, um, the Royal College of Nursing says that we should do this, this and this, and I was dealing with a doctor who wasn't having it at all, I suddenly realised there's no point in talking about what the Royal College of Nursing says, because she's not a nurse and she doesn't really care. So yeah. what I did, I found what the doctor's like, and I said, according to the Royal College of Paediatricians and Child Health, it states in this document, this, this and this. And for the first time ever, the doctor actually agreed with me because I was speaking her language. So sometimes we just have to find a different way. So it's about being culturally competent as well and having emotional intelligence, which I think is the, t- the two biggest things, mm-hmm. cultural intelligence and emotional intelligence. If we had that in the NHS or in healthcare, we wouldn't be in the state that we're in at the moment. It'd be a totally different system, yeah, wouldn't it? Completely. We would just understand how things are and not take things personally. And I was... Um, there's an image that I remember I saw where I'm standing here directly opposite you and there's a number six on the table in front of me and it looks like a number six where I'm standing however where you're standing it looks like a number nine so you're arguing from your standpoint that you see a number nine I'm arguing from my standpoint that I see a number six and that's why we need to get in somebody else's shoes so now if I come around to your way of thinking come around to your side of the table put my feet in your shoes and see it from your perspective but that can only be done when you actually listen to what people are saying listen to hear rather than listening to respond and sometimes the person that's being challenging and difficult to you it's their issue they've got a problem you haven't got a problem they've got a problem so what I normally do I kill them with kindness so that they get all discombobulated and confused and they don't know what to do so the more nasty they'd been to me the nicer that I am to them I make them cups of tea I get them chocolate I say good morning to them. Full, full I, them. I was thinking, that Jeremiah, she gets on my nerves. And I said, here's some chocolate. Yeah, have <laughs> another cup of tea. <laughs> and then eventually they come round. It, well, some, some of them do, some of them don't. But you know those that you just stay away from and those that you, you just need to work with. Okay. But So I'll challenge them, don't take, 
I always say be persistent, insistent, and consistent. And when you get resistance, seek assistance. So no matter what you do, do it to the best of your ability. As my sister told me, for good, better, best, never let it rest until your good be better and your better best. So just do the best that you can. And if at first you don't succeed, try and try and try again. again. Never, (laughs) ever give up. Because once you give up, then you failed. But if you don't give up, you will never fail because but fail, I read somewhere the other day, failure is first attempt in learning, fail. So it's just, you're just learning and it's continuous learning and it's lifelong learning. I call it living long to learn because we're always ever learning, especially in education and in academia, we're always learning. So get, do the courses, do the training, do what's needed to get you to the next level, but do, and enjoy it as well. It shouldn't be a chore. It shouldn't be a challenge. It shouldn't be a pain to just enjoy it. Really good, really, really, really good advice. And I think as well, I think having someone else's perspective on mm-hmm. on a situation and yeah. getting that outsider, because it might be that it's something that I don't know someone's tolerated for yeah. a long period of time mm-hmm. without. I don't mean without realizing, but I guess in some situations it's almost so gradual and it becomes mm-hmm. so normal within that workplace mm-hmm. that then there's not that what's yeah. going on. This isn't okay. Um, yeah. And getting that support is really yeah. important. Really important because and somebody that I was supporting, she thought that was just normal behaviour. When I talked about, I did talk about gaslighting and microaggression. She actually said she thought that was just the normal behaviour of English people, because she came over as an international um, recruited nurse, and all the microaggressions and gaslighting that was going on, she just thought that was their normal mode of behaviour. Oh, isn't she that knew. absolutely heartbreaking? Yeah. she didn't know there was actually a name that goes with it, and behaviours that are unacceptable and you don't have to tolerate them but what could she do because she was isolated she was on her own and she had nobody to talk to or to help her so that's as you said having a mentor a coach a role model a peer support somebody there to talk to just to offload whatever you're going through and just ask for advice on the ways to do with it and and they can actually help you to see things maybe if you did it this way then that would happen that way kind of thing or give you the right words to say to your manager. I remember one of my coaches says, just say to your manager, help me to understand why you think it's okay that I don't have any weekends off for the whole month, but everybody else has at least one or two weekends off. Help me to understand why that, 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 that should happen like that and why I should accept it and why you think it's acceptable. So when you say it like that, and they see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then it's it always having to justify. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, you've got to like justify. I remember being given um all of the bank holidays around Christmas. I had to work Christmas and New Year, and I remember saying, you know, no one else is doing both. How come? And mm. they were like, Oh, it's because you're young, you're newly qualified, it's fine. And it's like, that's but that's not the point though, is it? That's I hope you didn't work those both those. Did you work no, those two? No, no, no. Luckily, luckily someone's yeah, got ageism as well. Yeah. They're like, oh, you don't have any children. And it was like, but I've still got family to spend yeah, yeah. Christmas. So you haven't and... got children, so you haven't got any family, so you haven't got anything. That's that's never been you you can have the six weeks off because you've got children, but you haven't got children, so you have to work the six weeks. It don't work like no, yeah, it's no, it now. Yeah. But thank you so much for your advice. There's so much there for um, for everyone listening, whether they're qualified or they're studying. Mm-hmm. Last question. What are your career aims? My career aims? My career aims is to see everybody excel and do well in their area of experience and expertise. In whatever way that I can support them and help them to do that, then I will do that. So whether it's through mentoring, coaching, 
training in their development, keynote speech and inspirational talks, motivational talks, whatever I get the opportunity to do, then I do it. And then also I'd like to say, because I said opportunities, remind myself, whenever there's obstacles, obstructions and oppositions, see them as opportunities and then ask yourself, what opportunity do I have to optimistically overcome my obstacles? See the windows of opportunity and go through the open doors because it can only get better. It can only get better. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Joe Myers, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an amazing episode and it's been fantastic to meet and talk to you. Thank you so much. All the best.